Everybody, and welcome to Two ZQ Hot Takes, where we discuss issues both big and small. I am your host, the very handsome Tim Kirk, and today I'll be reading from my novel. I'm just making it up as I go along, and things have not been working out as well as I intended. Chapter twenty-two thousand nine hundred and fifty-five. He woke up this morning as he has been waking up each morning, with a sense of dread, fear, and urgency to avoid becoming what he determined was the being Willie Loman syndrome. He was born in Brooklyn in 1960 and was rapidly approaching Willie Loman's age in Death of a Salesman. He had a checkered employment history, was becoming increasingly aware of his deficiencies in all aspects of life, mind you, and his growing proclivity to typos while texting with friends and associates. He had just had a sudden recollection of meeting a childhood friend at a religious service while the childhood friend had grown into a formidable, extremely good-looking, physically fit, top-secret agent for a top-secret government intelligence organization, and his then-assignment as rumored, was to monitor the deteriorating health of a former director of a top-secret government organization who was on his deathbed. And the rumor was that he was instructed, yet mandated, to terminate the former director of the top-secret organization if he suddenly rose from his state of unconsciousness and started blabbing top secrets the inevitable, easy metaphoric comparison to a surprise hit film about an unstoppable robot assassin from the future was commonly made in social situations and had to be done either by in-person conversation or some sort of written communication since social media was non-existent at that point, much closer to playing telephone than having receipts. Just then, he realized that standing behind the childhood friend-turned-top-secret agent was the world's hottest comedian, dashing, supremely well-dressed, and as charismatic as he appeared on television, wishing peace be with you to those around. He declined to reach over two aisles of pews to extend his hand because he thought it might seem tacky and slightly desperate. The comedian maintained his poised, charming composure. In one short, sweet moment, the comedian reinforced his image of public goodwill and the reputation of the espionage agent blossomed and grew over the course of the next several decades from that moment on. Many years later, word got out that the top-secret agent had been exposed while on a top-secret mission in Central America and was brutally tortured, maimed, and disfigured by his captors and then rescued by the top-secret intelligence agency and given a newer, more handsome appearance by the top-secret information agency's medical plan. He later found out that the top-secret agent had been drafted by the top-secret information agency 
while he was in high school due to the top secret agent's prominence as a rising teenage athlete and student. Say what you will about the top secret information agencies of the nation, but this particular agency had been doing their due diligence in the recruitment department, he said to himself. His childhood friend turned top secret agent had taken his lumps, he had determined. Just a quick note, he is an incredibly handsome, for every young picture of health, with an effervescent, sparkling personality, loaded with an eternally upbeat disposition and an intellectual aptitude unmatched by most classical education standards, which is marveled at by onlookers who look like schnooks in comparison. Although his inner sense of discretion persuaded him to refrain from revealing these aspects of his character and personality for the well-being of those around him in order to prevent them from lowering their own sense of self-esteem in comparison, so he believes. He often wondered about people who scolded others for being ungrateful when they demonstratively held the door open for them, and the people who had the door held open for them did not respond in kind with any display of gratitude. He awoke as he did every morning, an insomniac, sedated by prescription medication, which would render him unconscious for several unsatisfying hours at a time to a state of shocked anxiety over his awareness of numerous unpleasant facets of his existence and possibilities or lack thereof, which could only be temporarily assuaged by the consumption of mind-altering substances and alcohol while performing mind-numbingly tedious repetitive tasks and engaging in pointless, crushing interactions with ambitious, greedy, condescending contemporaries and their surprisingly attractive progeny. Considering how displeasing the appearance of each of the parents had been growing up and became more and more displeasing to the eye as he grew older. He was possessed of a strange variation of Tourette's syndrome where he would spontaneously shout out the names of historically prominent government officials from Queens DA John Santucci to former New York City controller Mario Angelo Procaccino, to Bella Abzug, to Marsha Clark, to Archibald Cox. His prospects dimming before him, he had taken to relying on online fortune-telling websites with tarot readings and horoscopes to portend his fate, and that was working approximately the same as his own ill-informed, poorly attempted maneuvers his life amounted to. Seeing the stunning lack of accomplishment and achievement meant he felt he was able to further indulge his desire for mind-altering substances and alcohol. With this ability that he believed he innately possessed without any formal education or training in the specific area of concentration become realized in the world for all to see his natural genius in action? He was probably overly fond of using the statement, the privileged shits gets to say what's what no matter what, which was considered a curious choice of not only words, but mental and emotional focus, while every other borderline neurotic was able to maintain an outlook with goals in mind instead of fixations. He was also taken with and somewhat preoccupied with being able to say that he had dropped acid over 326 times and that once he divined the common source of all known languages in the universe by staring up at the night sky through a wooded field of vision. 
and the acid-induced vision flips of contrast between the night sky and the black silhouette of the tall trees kept reversing at a rate of more than two dozen times a minute, which inspired the divine revelation of the source of all known languages in the universe. Like the stupid Philistine pig that he was, he allowed himself to completely lose focus and engage in self-destructive substance abuse. But back to the action of the story. He had many other sudden recollections which came to him in painstaking, embarrassing detail, including the time he gratified himself in the men's room of a suburban pornographic movie theater as his friends peeked in and later called him out on it. The ride home the remainder of the evening was less than enjoyable, his powers of persuasion aside. Through all of this, he made an atrocious success out of himself. He found himself not being treated as a full human, but rather a stereotypical caricature of someone else's not particularly active imagination, and he indulged in the temptation to ponder the possibilities of exploiting that caricature that others held about him to further his ambitions or to at least profit in the moment from that misrepresentation. End of chapter 22,955. Thanks for listening. See you next time. And as the kitties say, peace out.